Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Good. Thanks for that response. Um, so I'm glad you guys could all make it here through this snowstorm that we just had. All the snow that we have on the ground out there, two to four inches, right? No, we're glad that, um, I'm glad that it didn't snow and that the roads weren't slippery or whatever because sometimes we don't get the snow, we actually get ice, which we did get a little bit of that, you know, but the roads were fine. I'm glad to see you guys all, all made it here. Um, I don't, I think the last time I got up here, I was, I explained to you guys that, that I gave the announcement or whatever that, man, that light is bright up there. I can't see you guys. I have glasses on and it glares off my glasses. That's all right. If I don't know you're out there, then I won't be nervous, maybe. Um, anyway, I, I teach the, the Sunday morning Sunday school class um, in the back back here, Sunday morning study or whatever you want to call it back there. And um, this past year, we actually went through uh, the book of Second Samuel. Like before that, Chad um, Nugent, um, one of the other elders, actually taught through First Samuel. I taught through the book of Second Samuel, which is, was a great study, number one, for me, because I had never really taught um, in the Old Testament. It's, I mean, I've been a missionary and stuff like that, but for some reason I just never um, had taught a study, you know, through the Old Testament. So it was good for me to actually study and, and tie it together with some of the things, you know, that I had learned and, the, and how God ties things together in, in from the Old Testament to the New Testament. This year we're going to be going, if you guys want to come, and this is what I'm going to be actually speaking on this morning. It's um, from the book of Colossians, and we're going to actually do that um, starting next week at 9 a.m. Um, in this back corner over here is where we do our, our um, Sunday morning studies. Um, so if you would want to come, I'm going to give a kind of a little bit of an overview, so hang on to your, um, put on your seatbelts, however you want to say that. Um, and hopefully you can keep up, and I don't go too fast, so you can, guys can all understand what I'm trying to share with you this morning. But Second Samuel, first of all, I'm going to give a little bit. Second Samuel was a study of the, um, the first king of Israel, stu the study of, of, of King David and how he became king of Israel. And it's interesting to me that um, God chose him because he was a shepherd boy. Um, and if you know, know the, of the book of the first of First Samuel, um, that it was about um, King Saul, and who was he? You know, the people that he was chosen really by the people of what uh, the people would choose. You know, somebody tall, strong, a good warrior. Except for he lost a lot of his battles because he didn't trust in God. But no, <laughs> just because you know this is something that, that that people think. You know, God didn't do that. He chose David. In fact, when, he, when um, Samuel went to, to pick a, um, David out, he went through all of his brothers. Well, and, and um, Jesse, David's dad, said, well, maybe this person. Is this person going to, nope, that's not, that's not him. Oh, this person. No, this brother. Nope, that's not him. And they were all bigger, and David was only, you know, 17 at the time. And um, he said, no, don't you have any other sons? Well, I have one. He's just a shepherd boy. He's out in the, yep, bring him in. And God said, yep, that's the person I want. If you remember from the story, you know, that we, under, we heard last week, um, that when all these people came up here and gave us a story of Christmas time, we understand that, that, you know, shepherds, you know, they're always out away from the house and taking care of their sheep. They're not really somebody that you'd not even want to maybe even invite to dinner, let alone make them 
a king, right? You know, they're stinky. They're, anyway, just not somebody that you would think of as, as a conquering hero. Let's put him and make him as a king. But that's, that's not the way God thinks. God says, nope, this is the person that I want. So David was the very first king of Israel. And we learned as we studied through that, that through David was going to come, become, was going to come the very last king of Israel. And that was um, Jesus, you know, the Messiah. Um, and we celebrated his birth, you know, this, this last month, you know, January, or December 20, 25th, we celebrate the, the birth of Jesus. And he, interestingly enough, didn't come as you would expect a king to come either. Where do we find him when he was born? You know, as, as we, we heard the story of that. Um, we heard the story he was born, what, in a feeding trough, in a barn, in a manger. So we heard about, you know, about that, about the, this, this king this coming. And I'm just trying to give you a little bit of overview as, we, we, as I try to tie in, you know, what this first book of, of Colossians is going to be about. So anyway, so we heard about, you know, his, him coming um, and how Herod even wanted, because he knew that he came as, as a, he was going to be the next king of, of, of Israel, but he was born in a manger um, in, a, in a barn. But we also heard um, the rest of um, Jesus' story where, you know, he lived a perfect life. He, and then he died a brutal death on the cross um, to pay for our sins. And then how the angel of the Lord came down like a lightning bolt, Jay says. And I just, I, I can just picture that because I, I just think of the, you know, how, um, number one, the, the, it talks about in the Bible that, that the angels really don't understand, you know, what we have in Christ, it says. We understand more, more than what they do. And so, he, you know, when Christ died, they were like, what are you doing, God? Just, and he's like, just wait, just wait. And then he gave the permission, and that angel went down like a lightning bolt and threw that, that stone away. Because what? Jesus was alive. Jesus was alive. He had conquered sin and death, giving anyone who believes in his name eternal life in heaven with him someday. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So after Jesus, you know, he died, he rose from the dead, he, he came back to his disciples, he um, shared a, a few more with them. They couldn't believe that he was still alive. Um, even Peter doubted it for, for a lo- little bit. Um, and then he, Jesus appeared to them again. And he taught him a little bit more um, with the, the disciples that were there. And after, but after Jesus went, went to heaven, the disciples did what Jesus asked them to, and them to do. And he, it's it, in Mark 16, 15, Matthew 28 and Acts 1, 8, give, he tells them and gives them a command of what they're supposed to do. So it says, and you will receive power, Acts 1, 8 says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people, about me everywhere, first in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Mark sixteen fifteen tells says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Matthew twenty eight nineteen says, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, so you see that you know as the as the disciples did what Jesus asked them to do in, in the, those verses, um, churches were started by the disciples who made disciples through who made disciples through relevantly teaching and living the word, true word of God.
Huh, where did we hear that saying before? That is our, our mission statement for this church. You know, we want to do, the, do what, what God has asked us to do because God didn't just ask his disciples to do that. He's, he has asked all of us to do that. I mean, God's word isn't just um, written for the disciples and those people's, people back then. Paul didn't write this letter just to the Colossians. He wrote it to us as well. And so as we look into to this, as we look into Colossians, because Colossians, or the Colossi, you know, one of the churches that, were, that came from, started from this movement that the, the disciples, you know, started, um, was in the little town called Colossi, which is where we get our book of Colossians from. Um, it is a, a, a letter, you know, to the, to the Colossians that, that Paul wrote. I mean, we have, you know, a lot of these yins in there. We have Ephesians and Philippians and Corinthians and Colossians. Um, and it's interesting, um, Colossians comes, Colossi was a, um, one of three cities located about 100 miles inland from Ephesus. The other two cities were Laodicea and Heropolis. And this area was a meeting point of, of east to west because an important trade route passed through there. You know, they traded a lot, a lot of things. In fact, Colossi was known for their, um, their wool, their extravagant wool that they had. In fact, they, and they dyed it and had it, you know, of, of all different colors. So that's what they were really known for, um, for their, their wool that they, they made. But Colossi eventually slipped out of, you know, Laodicea and um, Heropolis, um, stayed like big, bigger cities, and you can read a little bit more about Laodicea, and there's songs about, anyway, um, we're not going to go that way. We're going to talk about the Colossians, and Colossi actually slipped into a second-rate um, rate position and became just a little town. I'm not, it doesn't exactly share, share why. Maybe they're, they ran out of wool or something or, or whatever, but they became just a second-rate, and in fact, I don't even think that they would have been mentioned in the Bible if it wasn't for um, the church that was, that was there. Um, and Paul was the writer of the, of the letter, this letter that we're going we're gonna to study here. Um, and he, he wrote it, you know, to the church in Colossae. It was started, but it was started by a man named Epaphras. Paul, Paul never even, he started the, you know, Ephesians, you know, Ephesus and, and um, Philippians and, the, and Romans and all these things that Paul wrote. But Paul, you know, that he actually met, he started these churches. But this is a church that Paul didn't even, didn't even really um, start. Um, he had heard about them, and we'll see that in the very first chapter that he, he shares that. But Paul actually... Um, didn't hear about, you know, had heard about them through, through um, Epaphras, who had actually started the church. Epaphras came, Paul was in, in prison at the time, and Epaphras came to, to Paul there in prison and says, you know, I need your help. You know, there's a lot of, um, some new doctrines that were, you know, are being taught here, and um, they're infiltrating into this, into the church, and, and this is a new church, and they're, they're new Christians, and um, so I need your help to, to get, you know, these, these, um, new Christians. I mean, they just, they have such a, a love for um, all of, you know, God's people. They have such, uh, uh, their faith is, 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 is really strong, but for some, you know, there are new Christians, and they're, and they're I'm afraid that they're going to start falling into, you know, these different doctrines and stuff that are, that are being taught. So I need your help. So Paul wrote, you know, this letter so that, to give them to understand, to encourage them, number one, if you see in chapter, uh, this first chapter of Colossians, um, that 
he's going to encourage them, first of all. And then he's going to, as you go through the rest of the, the book and the chapter, he's going to just say, hey, this is, this is who you are. This is what Christ has done for you. And then this is how you're going to live your life. And I, I mean, for me, Colossians is one of the, my favorite books in the Bible because of that. It's like if you read through Colossians and you don't know how you're supposed to live your Christian life, then you better read it again. Because, I mean, to me, it just it lays it out for, for you. So, <clears throat> so anyway, so embedded in the first chapter, you know, God, uh, Paul is going to tell us why Jesus came, why he, he grew up, and, and why Jesus, in fact, left heaven and then gave one of the best, to me, explanations um, of who Christ really is. Notice in the first couple verses, if you want to turn to Colossians, however you have it on your phone or in your, your Bible, um, Believe it or not, I mean, I, I use this, and the only reason why I use something like that is because I, I'm getting, I turn 52 this year, and my, I, this you can actually, you know, get, make bigger, you know, so I can actually see it, and, and so anyway, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to you know, think of myself as old, and I'm not as old as Jay, obviously, he's ancient, so anyway, but, um, but anyway, so I, I use that. But if you're to do, um, turn with me to Colossians chapter, chapter 1, if you would. And, and notice in the first couple of verses here, you know, he, he, it's an introduction that outlines Paul as an apostle of Christ Jesus, chosen by the will of God, and from our brother Timothy. Um, most of the, you know, Paul's letters, he starts this way. You know, the reason why he starts this way, he, he doesn't want to take really credit. He always calls himself, you know, that he is chosen by, by God, and it's the, the will of God that I, that I do this. Um, and uh, Paul wasn't necessarily, uh, he wasn't one of, one of Jesus' disciples before, but he was an apostle, and that's because Christ actually appeared to him um, as he was headed out, you know, because he was killing Christians, and he, had, he actually appeared to him on the road to um, Damascus. So anyway, Paul um, is just... Um, sharing who he, who he is. And, and then he addresses um, the people. He says, To God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, may God the Father give you grace and peace. And then he gives the first reason why Jesus left heaven. Jesus left heaven to give us a hope that will never disappoint. He left heaven to give all people a hope. It's embedded in a prayer of thanksgiving. Let's look at it here in Colossians 1, 3 through 8. It says, We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation, expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras. See, this is where we understand that Epaphras actually started the church. Our beloved co-worker, he is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on our behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has, has given you. So that you know, we also see here, you know, that this hope that they have, this faith that they have, and this, he talks about the love for others that, what, comes from the Holy Spirit. Because if you know, um, in Philippians, he talks about that. He says that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace. So the fruit, he obviously, it comes from the Spirit that, that they, they have inside of them now. So this, this love that they have for other people. And if you read through First. Um, First John, you'll understand that 
um, that love comes from God, because <laughs> he said that God is love. So, I mean, everything that we have, and I can't say that you, you don't love, you just don't have this, this love that, that comes, that, that God wants us to have for other people. Um, and so he explains this hope, though. Let's go on, move on to this. This hope um, is something that is sure and positive. You think of, you know, this, when we understand hope, he says that the hope that they have, um, it says, we, which come from your confident hope. I don't know if, if we understand that the, the way we use hope is, is very confident or not, because we use it in, in, in ways that we say, uh, well, um, I hope that I'm going to make it. I hope that it won't snow. I hope that it will snow. I hope that the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I hope that it's, it, it doesn't rain today because I, you know, I, we need to get out and work. I hope this, I hope that. You know, it, it, he, we use it in a way that's more of a, a wishful thinking, a desire of the heart. The Bible never uses hope this way. Never. Um, I'm not sure why, where we get the word. If by the, you know, where, when you think about it, that um, why we use hope in such a different, different way. Well, I know is because we, we, we like to use things, you know, doing it our way instead of God's way. But anyway, by, the Bible never uses hope that way. In fact, in, in First Peter 3.15 talks about the same hope. It says, you know, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks a question of the hope that is in you. That's the same hope that it's talking about here. Um, and in Scripture, the word means, this word hope means that which is absolute, certain, unchangeable, true, definite, indefinite about a future event. That's the hope that we're talking about here, not a, a, any type of a, of a wishful thinking. It is unchangeable. It's an event that, that is going to happen. It's, you know, this hope that they're understanding, that they're, that they're waiting for, that is going, is going to happen. Um, so what it is saying is, um, is I have heard, he's, you know, Paul is saying, he says, I've heard about this newfound faith you have and your love for one another that is growing and is rooted in the hope that you have because you have heard the gospel, this hope that Christ is going to return. Christ is going to return, you know, someday. We don't know exactly what that day that is, and, but you know, I just want to encourage you guys that, you know, no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard it is right now, I want to remind you that Christ is going to return. That's the hope that, these, that this church has, that, you know, because they were, you know, going through hard times. They have all these, you know, not sure exactly, you know, what all these new, you know, um, doctrines that were coming in. They still had that hope. And, they, and Paul said he's, he heard about this hope that they have, knowing that Christ is going to return someday. Before Jesus left his disciples, we talked about, you know, the, the teaching that he, he did that. Um, Jesus told them, he says, I am going to prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, I would have told you that it wasn't so. And I will come again, he said, so that where I am, you will be also. So this hope, where they've heard the gospel, they believed what Christ, Christ um, had done on the cross for them. We talked about, you know, that, that he had um, paid for their sin. He rose, you know, rose from the dead and had given them eternal life. But not only that, that, that one day, just as he left, he's going to come back. 
and he w and as we move on, we'll see the fact that you know as he when he comes back, um, that First um, John three two says that we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. First John it says, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that will we be, will we be we will be like him. It says, for we will see him as he really is. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm waiting for that day to understand really to see Christ for who he really is. And we're, as, if you read, as we read through Colossians, we're going to, Paul gives, you know, to me the, the best explanation he can of, of who Christ really is. Um, so Paul encourages them with this prayer of thanksgiving. And then knowing that they are, you know, on the edge of giving, you know, giving in, um, to some of these false teachings. And, um, look what he says in, in verses 9 through, through 11. He says, So we have not stopped praying for you. Again, he starts, explains to them, you know, we are constantly praying for you guys. But he encourages them again and tells them about, you know, the fact that, let's just read it. So he says, We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his, of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. Your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Verse 11 you talk, says here that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power. You hear the song that the same power that lives in, uh, the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in us. You know, and he, this power that, that we have is going to give us. You, you ever ask, you, some people say, well, don't ever ask for patience. God's going to give it to you. Well, number one, it's, it's, it, it, that's good because we need patience. God says that we need patience. And it comes from this power that, that, that already lives with them. In fact, patience is a fruit of the, the spirit that we have. So if we're living by the Spirit, we are going to have patience. But anyway, he asked for the, that God will, um, praise that God will strengthen them with his power so that they will have the, the endurance to go through some of these things. You know, maybe some of the things that we're, we're going through t today um, that are getting us down. I don't know whether it's our job or, um, you know, our, one of our family members have, have, have died of COVID, and we don't know how to get over over this. I mean, there's so much going on that, and and that number one, Paul is talking directly to us in this, and we need to be doing this to each other, praying for each other that God would give us, um, his, show us His power through that, and that we would be able to have the, the strength and and to endure through the through these hard times. So. Anyway, you know, he, he talks, the next couple of verses, you know, Paul explains, you know, who we really are. And I'm not going uh, to really read them, but he explains the fact that, that we, are, we are joint heirs, what, what Christ has done. And like I said, I'm going to just hold on because I'm going through, you know, this, this first chapter and, we're in, and I'm just gonna, trying to give you a little bit of an overview for the fact that I'm trying to encourage you maybe to come if you're, if you're listening and, and want to actually, I'm inviting you to hopefully come to the the Sunday morning study if you want to listen to the rest of it. So anyway, 
So we're moving on through, through the next couple of verses, but it talks about the fact that, that we have an inheritance because of what Christ has done, that we, we are joint heirs you know, with, with Christ, that, you know, that we are receiving you know, everything that, that Christ has. Because uh, of what, and it's not anything that we have done, but because of what Christ has done. Um, so, <clears throat> because of what Christ has done, and how, um, let me tell you, uh, these next couple verses, I think that um, is going to explain, you know, we have, you know, this inheritance that we have, we have um, this strength that we have only comes from from Christ, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure that maybe Paul wrote that song that that Ann Wilson, not the old Ann, Ann Wilson, because I'm pretty sure she wouldn't write this song, but the new Ann Wilson that sings about that that song that says, "Let me tell you about my Jesus." That that new song that "Let me tell you about my Jesus," because these next few verses, this is really what he he. Um, I'm pretty sure that um, again that Paul um, wrote that song. Or maybe Ann Wilson got it from these, these verses. I don't know. But anyway, here we go. It says, Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. You think about, you know, like I said, the, the things that we're going through. He holds everything together. He allows everything to have. Nothing happens without him knowing it. Um, he is not surprised by, by anything. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. That's what Paul's saying. Is he first in your life? Is he the, the one that you always go to? Is he the one, or is, is he important enough that you can turn off your TV, put your phone away, and actually spend time with him at night or in the morning? or whatever? You know, you think about the, thing, the thought of, well, yeah, well, I have my devotions for five minutes every morning, and then I go do whatever I want to do the rest of the day. To me, that's not making Christ a priority. That's not making him, number one, the very first thing in your life. You know, what is running your life? Is it your job? Is it um, social media, whatever, you, you know, you like to do, you, fishing, boating, hunting? Is Christ number one? Because Paul says that it doesn't matter what you think or what you say. Christ is supreme. Christ is number one. And that was, is what God the Father is, is explaining to us. For God in his fullness, he says, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who are once far away from God, who are his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him. So again, he explains a little bit there, a, a little bit more of um, 
who we are. We are blameless as we, what, because of what Christ has done, um, standing before God. Because if we weren't blameless, we wouldn't be able to stand before God. We wouldn't be able to go before Him um, because God, you know, can't um, even have sin in His presence at all. That's why He even turned His back on Christ when Christ took upon all um, our sins uh, on Himself all on the cross. But we can stand and go boldly before Him because of what Christ Christ has done. So Paul encourages them not to dif- drift away from the assurance that they received when they heard the gospel for the first time, this hope that one day Christ will return, not to lose that, this love for others that they have that comes from the, the Holy Spirit, um, allow, to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work, to work in their lives. You know, if Paul wrote, the, wrote a letter maybe to, to you today, um, would it be, would the first part of his letter be an encouragement? Wow, I have heard all these things about you. That you have, the faith that you have, the love that you have for, for other people, this hope that you have that you can see because it comes, it, it bubbles out, out from you. Um, and other people, people are talking about you that, um, that you are portraying Christ as, as, as you live. Or would he be, you know, like what he said to the Galatians, oh foolish Galatians, is how he starts out to the Galatians. I would, for me, I would hope not. I would hope that if, if Paul wrote a letter to me today, that that would be, you know, that something that he would start, start out with. Because Paul says to the, said to the Galatians, oh foolish Galatians, he said, he said the picture of Christ, he says it was so perfectly um, explained to you as it, it was as if Christ was there himself. That's how good of a picture it was given to you, and yet you're not doing anything that he asked you to do. There's so many, so much, as so <clears throat> I say that because as we go on through the, the rest of, the, of this book, and I'm going to just, um, we have time here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some of the, the rest of the book, just some verses that, that, uh, that I've highlighted because, you know, as we understand who Christ is, he shared with us who he is, what we have, we have the inheritance that we have. We have a hope that he is he is going to return. Um, we have the fact that we we by by faith we accepted Christ, and now you know the rest of this the the book it just goes through and 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 shares with us what we have in Christ now. Now this is how you got it. You, I want you to live it. And there's so many things here that I think are so relevant. Um, for us today, so I'm, I'm, we're going to go go through these um, fairly quickly, and so moving on, just just a few verses verses here. Like I said, I'm just gonna, I'm not going to share all of it. If you want to come and listen to, there's so much more in in this book that to to study. C- please come to the to the um, Sunday morning. I'm going to Sunday morning Bible studies, um, and we're going to go through this book. Um, and get a lot deeper with it. But um, chapter 2, he says, says in verse 2, he says, I want them, want you to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to be, to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Christ is, is, is everything. And he's going to say here in, in the next couple, in verse 6 and 7, he says, so now as, as you, ex- just as you accepted Christ, 
as your personal Savior. He says, I want you to live in that same faith. How easy, you know, how hard is that? You know, you accepted Christ. You believed what he did on the cr cross, you know, that, um, that took away your sins. You believed that he rose from the dead. Now live that same way by faith each, each and every day, not looking, you know, for the head. He says, tomorrow, he says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough um, problems in itself, but worry about today. Live in the same way that you actually accepted, accepted Christ. And in verse 7, he says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. He says, he says if, you, if you do that, he says, then, you're, then you will overflow, he says, with thankfulness. So our lives need to be you know, built on him. And the only way to, for that to happen is to, is to spend time with him, with him in, 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 his, in his word and what he has given us um, in our own language. And moving on you know, in, to, verse, to chapter 3, he says, Since you have been raised to new life Christ, in, with Christ, he says, Set your sight, sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor, at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things, not the things of her earth. And I was, you know, I look at this, that verse, and I think, well, think about things of heaven. When I'm supposed to think about the streets of gold, I'm supposed to, you know, what, think about the, the tree of life. How can I, you know, think about these things? No, you, the, what he's talking about is thinking about Christ. Again, everything goes back to this, this Christ. Remember, what did he, what, when Christ finished what he did and went back to heaven, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God. He's sitting on his throne. And allow, you know, that, that we can come, you know, so that we can come before him. You know, the, the things of, of heaven. Um, again, um, reading through the 15 through um, 20 of chapter 1. Who is Christ? That's, that's what we're supposed to think about. These are the Christ. Christ is in charge. He is number one in, in, in everything. Um, even needs to be that in, in our lives. And he is so willing to, um, to have that relationship with what, us. Verse 8 of, of chapter 3 says, But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty, dirty language. And you can try to just get rid of that. You know, it says now is the time to do that. But if you don't get involved in reading your Bible and making that a part of your life, you can try as hard as you can. These things won't go away. Um, I'm going to say that just because of a, a personal experience, you know, that way. Be, for myself, you know, I and my wife can attest to this, that I had anger issues. You know, if it didn't go my way, you know, I got angry at you because you're not doing it my way. I didn't, it's not that I wanted to, you know, I tried to change that, and it would change for, for a day. But I think until I truly had the desire to make Christ number one in my life and start spending time in his word, memorizing his word, and making his word as you go through the day, okay, this is what Christ tells me to do, I need to, and this is what my devotions is about. It's not the fact of just read your devotions real quick and then go do whatever you want to do. It's loving God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind in a way that he becomes a, such a part of your life, knowing that he lives in, in you, listening to the Holy Spirit, 
allowing the Holy Spirit to give you the, the patience, the endurance, to the love that we are supposed to talk. The fruit of the Spirit, again, is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. <laughs> and go on. You know, there's a list that, that all of this says that comes from the Holy Spirit if you allow the Holy Spirit to live in your life. And he says, so live according to the Spirit, and you will get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. Don't listen to your old sinful nature. Listen to Christ and all its wickedness. Put on your new nature, he says, and be renewed as you learn, <clears throat> learn to know your Creator and become like Him. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. I think there's a, a, a lot of stuff going on today that we don't make allowance for anybody's faults. I mean, if you screw up, I mean, then the point, finger gets pointed, pointed at you constantly, right? Because I'm better than you. Really? I mean, we can't do anything, number one, in and of ourselves. Everything that we try to do anyway is just sin. It's, it's Christ. And there's no difference. I, you don't have any necessarily more of Christ. You might understand Christ a little more because you spend more time with him, but you don't really have any more of Christ than make than, than I have. Christ dwells within us and he's waiting, you know, accept, you know, wanting us to have that relationship with him. So make, a, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive any, <coughs> excuse me, anyone who f offends you. Have you been offended lately? By anybody that thinks different, differently than you? Who has maybe a different idea of who Christ, Christ is or whatever, and you go off just a, a picture, and you even the thought of picking up a picture and arguing over the fact of whether Christ really had hair that long or had a beard, or, and you just argue over things like that and realize that instead of that, that we're, hey, it's, it's a picture of Christ. And if we were all unified, like Paul says in, in chapter 2, that he wants us to be united, then we'd all have the same heart, the same focus, right? And we wouldn't argue over the fact, hey, this is a picture of Christ, Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Oh, yeah, I know him too. And then it, you'd be united that way. Um, so forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And whatever you do or say, do as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through God the Father. We are representatives, it says, of Christ himself. As we go out into the world, we are, we, people should look at us and be like, oh, wow, I know that that person has Christ within them just because of the way, the way he, he lives. It says, um, and then he gives an explanation here of, you know, how to, um, what are we supposed to do, you know, with our wives, whether, you know, me, us as husbands, what are, how are we supposed to live that way for our children? Always obey your parents. It says fathers do not, you know, aggravate. So giving, you know, a command of how fathers should live. Um, slaves obey their masters. Masters, and we talk, you know, Jay talked about that. It's, it's kind of given an explanation of, of our in, employers and employees you know, the same way that, you know, how we are supposed to treat them. But as employees, as he says that we are to work willingly at whatever you do as though we are working for the Lord. And sometimes we get so frustrated at 
who we're working with and who we're working for, but God says that, you know, don't worry about that. Just work as if you're working for, for me because that's truly who you're working for. So I'm going to, let's try to wrap it up here really quick. He says, um, in, in chapter 4, um, and this is, you know, to me, key in how often do we actually spend that time in prayer. Verse, chapter 4, verse, verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert, alert mind and a thankful heart. So devoting yourself to prayer. How, much, how many times, number one, devoting yourself to, to prayer, not by, you know, asking um, God, give me this, God, give me that. That's not what he's talking about. Devote yourself to prayer because prayer is a time that you spend with God. Prayer is a time you think about prayers, not only talking to God, but all God, listening to God at times. Have you ever spent time, and you can call it your prayer time, actually just spending time and allowing God to, to listen or to talk to you instead of you just doing all the talking? I mean, it's not very much of a good when um, you go to talk to somebody and spend time with them, and, and you do all the talking, right? And they're like, well, I never got a word in edgewise with that person. You know, I think God wants us to, as well, to, to listen to him um, as, we, as we spend that time in prayer. But to end, end with here, um, and I'm gonna, I, I was going to have a, a video um, play, but don't worry about it, Paul. I didn't, I didn't send out a video or anything because I'm just going to read through. Um, it, it's a song. But the, verses 5 and 6 says, verse, first before, before this, it says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. If you remember, I think it was just last week that Jay talked about the opportunity that he felt like he missed because this lady had asked if, you know, him for, um, if, for gas, right? And he missed an opportunity. How many opportunities? It says here, it says, um, live wisely among those who are believers. Make the most of every opportunity that God, how many that God has that God gives you? How many opportunities do we miss each day? Um, standing in the line at at, at Walmart, um, as Jay said, pumping gas for somebody. Um, standing in line at you know anywhere, or even at at work when you're talking with your 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 coworkers. How many opportunities has God given you that that we have missed? So make the most of every t- opportunity that God that God gives you, and He says. And verse 6 says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. You know, as, as you're standing in line and you're talking with um, whoever you're standing in line with, if it's your, your spouse or your brother or your sister or whatever or your friend, um, let your conversation be gracious, it says, and attractive. You know, if you have thought about the, how you're talking with that person, your friend, and the person in front of you that you don't know, um, is thinking, man, alive, good grief, what's going on in their life, you know? And then they find out that you're a Christian, <laughs> that you're a believer, and they're like, well, I didn't, would have never thought they were a believer because of the way they act, the way they talk. We are representatives of Christ. You know, think about the things and the way we, we live, our, live our lives. And this song, I'm going to have to get my phone out here because I know most of the words by heart. But this song that I'm going to sing, I think we, we sung it. If you're here at the missions conference, we, we sang it. Because God has called 
all of us as we are representatives of Christ. God, there's a, and I, I guess, you know, me as a, being a missionary, I still have the heart to see us Christians living like Christians. And I know there's a lot going on, you know, in everybody's lives here. Um, and I pray that maybe even myself, that I can be an encouragement to to any one of you that, you know, are struggling with whatever it is. And I pray that my life is representing Christ so that you, when, if you see that um, me and I'm talking with somebody else, that you, you know, feel like you can come up and say, hey, you know, could you pray for me or could you, I need some encouragement. I need to talk through this. As Christians, we need to be able to live in such a way that, um, was it, was it say that, let your conversation be gracious and attractive to others. That we will attract people, you know, make the gospel attractive by the way we live. So that people are going to see us and want to come up and, and know what we have. This, this hope that we have. The faith that we have. Are people going to come up and ask us that? Or are they thinking that, um, wow, I don't want to be a Christian. Not if, not if, I'm, not if that person's a Christian. I, I pray that that's not the thing. But anyway, that this song, it's, it's written by Steve Green. It's called, called The Mission. It says, There's a call going out across the land in every nation, a call to those who swear allegiance to the cross of Christ, a call to true humility, to live our lives responsibly, to deepen our devotion to the cross at any price. It doesn't matter what we're going through. We want to deepen our devotion to the cross. God, Christ died for everybody so that everybody could have the opportunity to go to heaven. And there are still people around us that, that don't know, that are dying and still going to hell. There, and Jay talks about this too, that there are how many, you don't know how many um, unreached tribes there still are. And who, how do you know that the, the person that you didn't, you miss the opportunity to to share maybe you're not the one that's going to go share over and overseas but you miss the opportunity to share this person and that was a person that god maybe wanted to use to send overseas and you miss that opportunity so it says the the chorus goes like this it says to love the lord our god is the heartbeat of our mission the spring from which our service overflows across the street or around the world, the mission is the same. It doesn't matter whether it's overseas, whether it's right here, our mission is still the same, and that's to preach the word of God, to act as representatives of, of, of Christ. How are you doing with that today? <laughs> are people coming to you and, and saying, saying, wow, I've heard about the, the love that you have for other people, the faith that you have? Will you stand with me and we'll pray? Father, we do have so much going on in the, in the world right now, or in the U.S., or, and it is all over the world. Um, God, we have people hurting because they've lost um, loved ones, people hurting because of the jobs that they're in. They're frustrated. God, we know that you hold all things together. We know that none of this has surprised you. We pray, God, that, that today we would make that decision uh, to, to follow you. Pray that you would uh, continue to give us 
the strength and the patience that we need with other people. God, that we would learn to ask you to, to bless um, the people, even if they um, are annoying to us or, or bug us in, in some way, that, that, we will be, uh, attra- uh, that the way we live will be attractive to them, that they will want to um, not to get to know us, but they would want to know you even better. God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you that um, you held off the snow. We thank you that you uh, that everybody made it here safely. God, we pray that you encourage us as we go through the week to live our lives responsibly, God, and take that we would make um, every opportunity count for you. We want to give you the glory and the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm not going to do the, the, the ready break or anything like that because I'm not the, the true quarterback like Jay is. But I pray that, you know, this encouraged you today. So I pray that you have a good day. Go watch the Chiefs lose the Super Bowl or whatever. I don't know. <laughs>